Am I on? We good? All right. So what do you do when you're lonely? What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're really angry? What do you do when you're discouraged, anxious, confused? Maybe you talk to a friend about it. Maybe you just stuff it and go, you know what? Whatever, I'm angry. I'm just going to try to forget about it and stuff it deep down. Maybe you try to escape. You can't actually escape those things, but, but you try. And Maybe you run to things like alcohol or media or anything else, but you can't seem to escape it. Or maybe you pray. Maybe you've tried one or all of these things and you're still discontent, you're still confused, you still lack a lot of joy. Maybe even when you pray, you're like, you know what, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I was anxious before I prayed and I'm still just as anxious now. What good is prayer? I want to propose to you this morning that we get stuck in our emotions like this because... We're not immersing ourselves in the Psalms. That's a bold claim. Well, here's why. Here's why the Psalms are so important. Here's why they're so helpful. Here's the purpose. The purpose of Psalms is to teach us, to instruct us how to pray with emotion and through emotion. Did you catch that? Y'all awake this morning? The Psalms are to teach us how to pray with emotion, and through emotion. And so if we're running to other things and not coming specifically to the book of Psalms in the midst of our emotion, it's going to be hard to work through that. So we're going to talk more about that in a second, but I want to just give you some really kind of quick hitter background information on the Psalms. There's 150 of them. Written by several different authors. David wrote the most of them. Moses wrote a couple and many others. Some of them are anonymous. Uh, It's split up into five books. uh, And it's supposed to reflect the Torah, which is the first five books of our Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's supposed to reflect that. And what that tells us is that the Psalms, while they are directed to God, are God's word as well. Which is different from any other book in our Bible. We see prayers throughout our Bible, but we don't have any other books that are just, this is prayer. But it's God-breathed and it's inspired by Him nonetheless. Each book ends, each of those five books um, ends with with something like praise the Lord. And, And that's just to tell us, hey, that's the point of everything, to praise the Lord, to make much of God. Now, there's several different types of Psalms, and some people split it up differently, but Uh, This is how we're going to look at them. This summer we have lament psalms. And we're going to try to cover each one of these throughout the summer. But you have a lament psalm. That's people who are just praying for God's deliverance and comfort when everything just seems to be going wrong. They're crying out in desperation. And then you have didactic or wisdom psalms. These these are more like Proverbs, like the book of Proverbs. Um, Psalm 1 is one of those. That's what we're going to look at today. Um, It's intended to teach. Imprecatory psalms are prayers for vengeance on our enemies. And people are always like, what do I do with that? Well, good question. Joey will cover that when he preaches on one of them. So you can ask him. Um, 
Intercessional psalms are prayers requesting favor from someone else or for someone else on behalf of someone else. God do something in their life. Messianic psalms contain references to Jesus. Penitential psalms deal with sin and forgiveness. Praise psalms uh, is all about honoring and adoring God. Prophetic uh, are things about the future, regarding the future and the coming Messiah. Thanksgiving, it's just what it is, gratitude for God's blessings. And then royal psalms proclaim the reign of the earthly and heavenly king. Now here's my pet peeve about the book of Psalms. So y'all better get this right, okay? The book of Psalms, if you're talking about all 150 of them, it's called Psalms with an S. If you're talking about one, if you're talking about Psalm 130, no S, Psalm 130. It drives me nuts when people get this wrong. Okay, but think about it like this. So it translates, the word psalm means song. Okay, so you would never say, uh, let's, let's pretend we all used hymnals still. I grew up in a church that used hymnals. Okay, everyone turn to songs number two. That makes no sense. It's song number two, right? Okay, we're, we're clear on that. Done with my pet peeve. Don't get it wrong. Um, Joey's the one who should be squeamish because he's the one that's going to be talking about it the most up front anyway. So um, Bible Project is a great resource um, online. It's free. They have a video that explains more about the Psalms. Um, Check that out. There's a wonderful worksheet that goes with it. Um, Check that out. It's really helpful, too, if you want to learn more. But back to the purpose. Remember, the purpose of the Psalms is to teach us how to pray with emotion and through emotion. Donald Whitney, in his short little book, Praying the Bible, said this, God gave the Psalms to us so that we would give the Psalms back to God. No other book of the Bible was inspired for that expressed purpose. So you see our series title is called Songs of Prayer. Songs, because these were originally sung in worship services. So you read them now and you're like, I don't know how I'd sing that. Well, it was in Hebrew, so that's why it's a little, little, little difficult to, to sing them now. But uh, they, And songs of prayer, because that's what they are. They're poems of people talking to God. Now, why do we need ta- how to pray? You might be like, I already know how to pray. I don't need any help with that. Um, why do we need that? Why did God see it fit to put a whole book teaching us how to pray? Here's why. We have a holy, perfect God who created our emotions. And he knew that it would be difficult for us to articulate and navigate himself because he's infinite, right? We have an infinite God who is holy and perfect. So he knew that we would need some help to even articulate who he is and praise him in a fitting way. But he also knew that we would need help navigating our emotions and need a guide. Because naturally, we usually just say things like this. I'm good, I'm sad, I'm mad. You know, really base level uh, descriptor words. And so um, expressing emotion doesn't come naturally to all of us. And even us who are more expressive in our emotions need a guide. Otherwise, we just end up going wacko off the train uh, the other way with maybe being a little too expressive. So naturally, as well, we just tend to pray the same things over and over. You've experienced this if you, if you regularly pray for meals or bedtime. 
we actually aren't as creative as, as we think we are, right? We end up praying the same things over and over. And, and if you do that, um, our hearts kind of start to become numb to what we're actually praying. And so we want to we actually mean what we're praying. And so God gave us this gift of the Psalms to help us do that, to keep our prayer life fresh and rich. So praying with emotion. Let's talk about that. Our series artwork here, uh, I, I love this. So you got this, you got this music book and it's like being torn and it's beautiful because these are songs but they're songs of people crying out often in the worst moments of their life but then you have people praising God in the best moments of their life and everything in between so it shows us how to pray with emotion and it's right and healthy to pray with emotion to pray gut honest emotional prayers to God some people say We should not do that. We shouldn't express our emotions to God. You can't express this emotion or that emotion. Well, guess what? They're just plain wrong. They haven't read their Bible. Because you see this throughout the Bible, not just in the book of Psalms. People praying gut, honest prayers to God. The last church I was at as a youth pastor, my mentor and pastor, Pastor Don LeClaire, said this. Be honest with God or live with a fake soul. Be honest to God or live with a fake soul. See, God already knows how you feel. You're not fooling him by suppressing that and going, I'm just going to be thankful right now, even though I'm really mad. You know, that's that's not what God calls us to do, and he's not fooled by that. So I just want to give you a short sampling of emotions in Psalms. So I have uh, 23 of them. So buckle up. Uh, I'm just going to read them really quickly. It'll, it'll, t- it'll be harmless. It'll be great. Uh, it's, they're up on the screen, so I'm not going to give the reference, but the reference is up there. We see loneliness. I'm lonely and afflicted. Love. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Awe. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Sorrow. My life is spent with sorrow. Regret. I'm sorry for my sin discouragement and turmoil why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me shame shame has covered my face exaltation in your salvation how greatly he exalts marveling this is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes delight his delight is in the law of the lord joy you have put more joy in my heart uh, than they have when the, their grain and wine abound Gladness, I will be glad and exalt in you. Fear, serve the Lord with fear. Anger, be angry and do not sin. Peace, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. Grief, my eyes wasted away because of grief. Desire, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. Hope, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Brokenheartedness, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Gratitude, I will thank you in the great congregation. Zeal, zeal for your house has consumed me. Pain, I am afflicted and in pain. Confidence, the war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And we could go on and on. It's full of emotion. Abraham Lincoln said this about the Psalms when he was confiding in a friend. He said, you know what, they're the best. I find something in them for every day of the year. And it's so true. 
something for every day of the year. For, for just about every emotion, every experience that you go through, you can find something that's exactly like it or much like what you're going through in the Psalms. So when you're reading the Psalms, we need to ask this question. They're, they're designed to teach us how to pray with emotion. So we need to ask, what are they feeling? What are they feeling as you're reading the Psalms? Next, they're to teach us how to pray through emotion. You know, that's exactly why we come to church and sing songs together. Okay? Uh, We express emotion. And that emotion then brings into check what is true. It brings our emotions into check with what is true. We're emotional beings. Okay? We're not just detached brains walking around. Otherwise, I would just stand up here and go, God is good. God loves you. Jesus died for you. I'm glad you know that now. Let's go. I mean, that's all we do. We're not robots, right? We're not just just taking in facts. Okay? We're supposed to love God with all of our being, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, yeah, we are going to do some teaching, but we're also here to, to express our love and our praise to God and do it together in community. Involves emotion. This morning, we sang the song Brokenness Aside, just as an example. And we expressed emotion. Listen to this line. I am a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another. I'm caught up in words, tangled in lies. Do you hear that emotion? But then, emotion is shaped by the truth of who God is. But you, God, are a savior. And you take brokenness aside and make it beautiful. As you read the Psalms, don't just ask, what are they feeling? Ask, who is God? What am I learning about the character of God as I read this? Don't stop with just expressing emotion. That can be really dangerous. Let the nature of God shape and mold your emotions. You know, naturally, we tend to fall into two camps. And some of us are in between, but... um, We're either more kind of non-expressive stuffers of emotion or we're overly overly expressive dramatizers of emotion. But here's the thing. Everybody's emotional. Everybody is. You're like, nah, I'm not emotional at all, Matt. Well, what about when you hit your hand with the hammer the other day? Were you emotional then? What about when your team lost the championship? Were you emotional then? I mean, we all express emotion. You may not be crying all the time, but you're expressing some sort of emotion. So whether you're more of a non-expressive stuffer or an overly expressive, expressive dramatizer, health is found somewhere in the middle. We need both of those things. We need to express our emotion candidly to God and then let who God is affect and infect us and our emotions. For example, Psalm 46, 1-2 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. What's the emotion? The emotion is fear. When he was praying this, he was going, God, I am afraid. But here's the thing. I'm not just going to sit in my fear and let fear overtake me. No. I don't have to be overcome by fear. Why? Because, because of who God is. God is a refuge for me. He's my strength. He is right here with me. He's an ever-present help in this time of trouble. That's why I'm not going to fear right now. 
Those are the types of prayers we need to have as we read through the Psalms. Recognize the emotion, but then if we identify with that emotion, let who God is shape and transform our emotions. So let's take a look at Psalm 1 as an example. If you have an actual paper Bible, which I don't think is a lot of you, but if you do, it's kind of in the middle, around there. Psalm chapter 1. Not Psalms chapter 1. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Two people in this psalm. We have the blessed and we have the wicked. The blessed, this is what that word means. It means they're content, they're steadfast, they're flourishing in God. They're truly happy. Other versions say that. Happy is the man. Happy is the person. Or joyful. But the wicked, wicked are the opposite. They're discontent. They're easily shaken. They're worthless. They're evil. And they're selfish. So pretty, pretty polar opposites. We have the blessed and we have the wicked. And so we're going to be contrasting those throughout this psalm. And so the blessed delight in the law of the Lord, it says. The word law here means instruction or teaching. Now, some would say that that teaching is talking about the Torah, talking about the first five books of the Bible. And that may be true, but it's, the word just means teaching. So it's all of God's word. But I think it's even more specific than that. I think that whoever compiled the Psalms and put number one in the number one slot, put it there for a purpose and was saying, you know what? You need to be delighting in the Psalms. You want to be steadfast? You want to be full of joy? Then you need to delight yourself in the Psalms. That's what he meant by the law of the Lord here. And what you're about to read in this book. Delighting in just means enjoying. Enjoying the Psalms. That's where true happiness comes. How do we do that? Well, it helps us walk in emotional health. And it helps us express and shape our emotions. We can delight in the law of the Lord because it's worth delighting in. We can delight in the Psalms because it's worth delighting in. So think about it for a second. Have you ever had a moment where you've just been venting to a friend? You're just, you're just spewing all this emotion, all this stuff that's going on, and you're just letting it all out, and they're, they're encouraging you and even giving you some advice on it, and it's just wonderful, and you walk away, and it's just like a breath of fresh air. I hope you've experienced that. It's interesting that that often is more restful than sleep or even a vacation. Why? Because Psalm 1 is true. Psalm 1 verse 2 is true. That when we... When we express our emotion and have our emotions shaped, not just by another person, 
but by God himself, it produces delight. It produces joy. The wicked, however, they don't delight in the law of the Lord. They don't delight in the Psalms. They delight in anything besides God. They delight in anything besides the Psalms. And it leaves them empty. It leaves them dissatisfied. It leaves them content, discontent and selfish. Now we see the word wicked. And we automatically think, oh, that's not me. Well, wicked is not just a... We're not just talking about big, obvious sins like slitting people's throats and stuff like that. Okay? We're talking about um, wicked being the the equally soul-destructive sin of enjoying God's gifts apart from God. The gifts apart from the giver. And that can be all of us at points. I mean, the other day, it was a beautiful day. Um, it was it was 75 degrees. Um, I was just hanging with my family. Um, and we had a water balloon fight. And we grilled. And it was just a chill day, right? So you would think, man, that I had it made. But here's the reality of what was happening in me that day. I was rather anxious about some things. I was a bit cranky because of that um, and feeling a little bit down. Why? Here's why. That whole day, I was trying to delight myself in the things of this earth apart from God. And if I can do that a day here or there as a pastor, you know, I'm supposed to be really focused on God. Guarantee we all experience that. Blessing, joy is found in delighting in God, specifically through the Psalms. And when we detach him from even the best things that he's made, leaves us empty. That's the way of the wicked. The blessed meditate on the Psalms day and night, it says in verse 2. On his law, he meditates day and night. Meditate means it's beyond reading. It's actively pondering something, often out loud. So the other day, I was, I was reading Psalm 23. And I was just struck by the fact that, that God is my leader. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So I, was, I just kept that in my head throughout the day. And so as I walked into a tough meeting that day, I was like, God, lead me. You are my leader. I'm meditating on the Psalms. Meditating on who God is in the Psalms. When I went through my everyday work, I was like, God, lead me. I need your help. When I was at the grocery store that day for something, I'm like, God, lead me. I don't know who you would want me to talk to or pray with or, or just be there for. On my way home, God, lead me. I don't know what I'm going to be walking into when I get home. I don't know what's going to be happening. Lead me, Lord. When I'm at home feeling tired and just wanting to sit on the couch, I'm going, God, lead me. I know I need to be loving and serving my wife and my kids right now. When I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep, God lead me. I started quoting Psalm 23. That's what it looks like to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. And I, I bet all of us can relate to that at one point or another in our lives. Waking up in the middle of the night. It says day and night meditates on the law of the Lord. Meditates on the Psalms. Is that your gut reaction? In the middle of the night. To run to the Psalms. Or to run to something else. Day and night. And here's the thing about meditation. Meditation increases our delight. 
which increases our meditation, which increases our delight. If you don't enjoy the Psalms, meditate on them and you'll start to enjoy them. And then when you really enjoy the Psalms, you can't help but meditate on them. See, it's, it's cyclical. And maybe you want some help. You're like, well, reading's kind of hard. Well, that's not an excuse for you because I got something for you. So uh, this band called Shane and Shane has a couple different albums. And they're called Psalms. Uh, and on, on the album, each track is like Psalm 13, Psalm 23. And so they take, they take the very words of the psalm and make them into a song. Um, and those have been really life-giving to me, and hopefully they can to be can for you as well as you try to meditate on the psalms throughout your day. So the blessed meditate on the psalms, but the wicked meditate on everything besides God and His Word and the psalms. I mean, it literally could be anything that you're actively pondering or meditating on. I mean, it could be even good things, work decisions, spouse, vacation, whatever. But if you're leaving God out of it, it's wicked. So what's filling up your active pondering space right now? What does your mind wander to instinctively? Is it the beautiful life-giving words of the Psalms? Or is it something else without even a thought of God or his word? It says the blessed are like a tree. In verse 3, planted by streams of water. This is a constant, unending source of nourishment. It's right there. The water's right there. And this is what God wants the Psalms to be for us. Just this constant stream of life-giving water to us. It says it yields its fruit in season. So naturally, you start producing fruit. You start loving people like God wants you to love them. And serving people like God would have you serve them. Because you're properly nourished by the word and by the Psalms. But it's not the opposite. It's not the opposite at all. You can't start, I mean you can, you can try to start loving other people without being nourished by the water of his word. But you'll produce really bad fruit with really bad motives. It says its leaf does not wither, never lacks what it needs grows and thrives. We never lack what we need to thrive in our relationship with God when we're grounded in the Word of God, in the Psalms in particular. And then it says, in all that he does, he prospers. That means everything that he does becomes worthwhile. It's not just for now, okay? When we're we're focused on God and focused on the Psalms, we start Our mindset starts to change and we're doing things not just that are worthwhile right now, but we, uh, we start to do things that are worthwhile in a thousand years that matter in light of eternity. The wicked, however, are like chaff. Now, here's what chaff is, best I can understand. Um... Back in the times of the Psalms, they would throw wheat into the air, okay, with, with like a, a winnowing fork, pitchfork type thing. They would, they would throw the wheat up in the air, apparently when it was windy, and then all the grain would fall to the ground, and all, all that's the stuff that, that's junk, chaff, would just blow away. That's what chaff is. It's the, it's the worthless particles. So it's not just a dead plant that we're talking about. 
So we have a, a thriving tree versus not just a dead plant, but it's the part of the plant that just gets thrown away, discarded, blown away. So I was trying to think of something more every day for us. So I was thinking of like a, a dandelion. Okay, you know, when it's, when it's about to die and you can just go and it's gone. That's, that's what I think it's like. All it takes is, is just one whip of the wind or some kid coming by and it's gone. If you want to stand when life hits you really hard, be rooted and grounded in the Psalms. But if you want to be like chaff, if you want to just be like gone, if you just want to be taken away by life's hardship and circumstances and by your ever-changing emotions, forget about the Psalms. Don't open them at all. We need to let the Bible, let the Psalms fill in the cracks of our life. Now, I was at the doctor's office the other day. I guess it was a while ago. But I walked in and I noticed something. Every single person in there, regardless of their age, and there was a, there was a good cross-section of society in that room. Every single person was sitting there, waiting for the doctor, scrolling on their cell phone. Now, they could have been doing fantastic things. I don't know what they were doing on their cell phone, so I don't want to judge too much. But I know that if, if we were going to pick one thing that our society meditates on very religiously, it's technology and it's cell phones in particular. I want to propose that for us as Christians, as followers of God, if, if, if we really want to thrive and be like a tree, we need to let the word of God, particularly the Psalms, be what we run to in those moments of boredom, in those, in those moments of, of fear and anxiety, whatever is going on. We need to run to the Psalms, not technology. We need to discipline ourselves to do this, to run to the Psalms instead of Facebook or Instagram or a game that you like. Those things are fine. Those things, there's nothing inherently bad about them. But you're saying what's more important to you by the amount of time you're putting into it. See, your Facebook friend putting their best foot forward for you on their page at 2 a.m. when you wake up uh, afraid and anxious is not going to help you at all. It's just going to make you more anxious because I'm not like them. But if you want real hope, And real comfort in the middle of the night. In the middle of whatever you're going through. Open up the Psalms. What about Jesus? If I stopped right now, a Jewish person might really like and agree with my message. And that's a problem. Because I don't think this is a synagogue. It's not. This is a Christian church. We're all about Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our King. So we cannot read the Psalms without seeing Christ as followers of Christ. So I just want to end by pointing out three ways that I see Jesus in Psalm chapter 1. And I encourage you to do the same as you read the Psalms. See ways that it points to Jesus. So first, in verse 1, this blessed man, Jesus is our example of the perfect blessed man. Jesus is our example. Remember, blessed means content, steadfast, flourishing in God, truly happy, truly joyful. That's Jesus. We all flounder in and out of being this. Jesus shows us exactly how to do it. 
You, you, he was truly a tree that wasn't moved by anything and was flourishing in every single situation. And to add to it, Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. Did you know that? Read through the Gospels. He's always quoting the Psalms, especially in times of hardship. Why? Because he knew that if he delighted in the Psalms, he'd be like a tree. And he was. That's our Savior. That's our King. Look to his example. He's the perfect example of a blessed man. Number two, Jesus makes the water of the Psalms even more life-giving. Jesus makes the water of the Psalms even more life-giving. So it says in John chapter 7, 37 and 38, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So when the Psalms say that God is our leader or our strength or our refuge or or our help, that's true for us times a million because he's personally living inside of us who have believed with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just like he's my help from a distant. No, he's he's not just an ever present help in times of trouble. He's an ever present help in all times. Therefore, I don't have to fear. God incarnate bringing God's character described in the Psalms to us in the flesh day to day through the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes the water of the Psalms even more life-giving. And thirdly, Jesus alone makes us righteous. You see in verses 5 and 6, very clearly, the wicked will be judged and they will perish. And the righteous or the blessed will withstand that judgment. Where does that put us? What do the Psalms say? Psalm chapter 14 verse 3 says this, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. We're all wicked by nature. There's no one who does good. We don't even have to go to the New Testament yet. We just look in the book of Psalms. It says this. To add to it, Psalm 130 verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? We're wicked and we're deserving of God's just judgment. But our hope today in 2019 is that Jesus became our substitute. He knew that we were all wicked and had sinful hearts. So he gave us his perfect righteous record if we believe in him. Romans 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus alone makes us righteous. Yes, it's good and helpful to, be, to have our roots go deep into the Psalms and into His Word. But that is not what saves us. That is not what ultimately gives us security and hope. Jesus gives us security and hope because He is the perfect blessed man and righteous one who lived that perfect life so we could have His record. Without Jesus, we're just like chaff. Blown and tossed by the wind. But with Jesus, we can be streams that are planted by living water. So I encourage you to drink from those streams. They're right in front of you. Read through Psalms. We have a bookmark back on the table. Grab one of those. Read through the Psalms this summer. And let it fill in the cracks of your life. 
Let it fill in your experiences and experience true joy and peace in Jesus, even in the midst of a sin-stained, hurt-filled world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Psalms. Thank you for our...